it feels like when you're out there in the summer and we got one of those bug zappers just zapping co uh, bugs, mosquitoes. That's basically what's happening today. Anthony Dan Air Podcast. So happy to be with you. We've got some huge McAfee news. An autopsy already delivered. We'll give you the results here on this episode. Plus, when the Ghislaine Maxwell-Jeffrey Epstein connection happened, that um, Ghislaine Maxwell documentary continues to premiere on Peacock, and we're getting drips and drabs of some old information repackaged into new information. We'll dive into it. Uh, Michael Lindell is back in the news. He was on with uh, the great Alex Jones. So we'll dive into what uh, transpired there. Also, Olympic hammer thrower Gwen Berry is making some news after what she did during the national anthem. Everybody seems upset at Toyota for their political donations, so we'll dive into that, and we'll watch a uh, Russian guy feed a bear in minus 10-degree weather, all on this episode of the Anthony On Air podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Frankie C. J. Sabs not with us tonight. I will share where they are. It's actually very important, and we could use your help. I'll save that towards the end hang with us appreciate you being here as always let's dive right in to the mcafee autopsy so this uh, just coming out moments before the podcast here new released autopsy results confirming that john mcafee took his own life inside this spanish prison while awaiting extradition to the united states i mean what did you really expect was going to happen i mean this is basically par for the course uh, similar to what happened with Epstein, it wasn't until we had that independent autopsy come in that we had uh, some different information on what exactly happened with the neck area when you're dealing with this sort of thing. And it's not obviously an optimal situation. There's not a lot of surfaces to do that kind of thing in most prisons. Um, but uh, that's what happened with Epstein. And I basically figured that that's what's going to happen with McAfee as well. And it looks like that's basically where we're at. So the preliminary coroner's report confirms the initial determination by local authorities that um, McAfee did indeed hang himself in the prison. Uh, this, according to the newspaper El Pais, they reported that today. McAfee's family, which is questioning uh, whether or not he did this to himself, has requested a second independent autopsy. The paper also reported that uh, they will obviously get it. There's no reason not to. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that is a, uh, if it's going to be like Epstein, where we're going to have contradicting autopsies, or if that's going to go along with this first one that came uh, via the uh, coroner. Sources close to the case revealed earlier on Monday that McAfee's note in his pocket had a note with uh, in his pocket when the guards found him and tried to revive him. We still do not know what was on that note. Um, McAfee 75, as we know the whole story. We've done two episodes on this prior. We'll put links in the description if you're watching on YouTube. And of course, if you're listening via the podcast, uh, just go back a couple episodes and see uh, first, the news of what had happened, um, and then we uh, dove into the uh, discovery of the note in the uh, subsequent episode after that. Again, like I said, I'm not surprised here. This is essentially what uh, you figure was going to happen, uh, that this would be the uh, situation. I tell you what, I've been enjoying the comments on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook over the last couple of days. I referenced Chris Cornell in a previous uh, episode when I talked about the fact that, um, you know, uh, McAfee's wife said that they had spoken and he didn't seem suicidal and everything seemed fine. And I said, this sounds like a similar story to Chris Cornell. And a lot of people piped up and said that Chris Cornell, they don't believe, um, uh, did it to himself either, uh, contrary to uh, what has uh, been widely reported. And I... You know, it's funny because I remember covering this. I was on the air uh, on radio at the time um, on a rock station. So he did a lot on uh, Chris Cornell, uh, which was devastating to most. Uh, but I do remember theories going around that uh, he, too, was about to expose some massive, uh, you know, Epstein-esque ring of, of child trafficking, uh, things of that nature. Um, so I do, re I do recall all that. Thank you to everybody for reminding me of those, uh, stories. 
Um, the thing is with this is, uh, and I think I said this back on the first episode, we, you know, it's going to take a while to kind of figure out and piece together what has transpired. Obviously, when the note gets into whatever hands it needs to get into in order to be made public, that's going to offer a bit more information, whether it was written by John himself, whether it was written by other people. You know, again, once it's in the hands of his wife, uh, family, uh, you know, uh, writing analysts, you know, people that can analyze whether or not handwriting uh, is similar or, uh, you know, things of that nature. Uh, we're not going to know. So we have a long uh, bit of a journey on this one, similar to Epstein. I mean, we're what, two years or so removed from Epstein and we're still talking about uh, Epstein on a uh, daily basis on this podcast. So uh, this McAfee thing is, is is way too intriguing to let go. We will continue to keep our eye on it. Um, as I said, any news that uh, is broken, we'll have it here for you on the podcast. So if you're enjoying the McAfee stuff, make sure you're subscribed on Facebook or YouTube uh, or, of course, on your favorite podcast. If you like listening to the podcast, we're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, uh, wherever major podcasts are available. I think that we're going to learn a lot about McAfee over the next couple of weeks. I think that, you know, we'll get a second uh, autopsy at least. Who knows? Could be more than that. I think we'll see what's on the note. Um, and uh, like I said, have handwritten analysts in there to see if it was really written by him. I also think that we're waiting on the cameras of the prison to see if there was anybody in or out. Um, the guards, as we've seen, a la Epstein, played a huge role. Where were they um, in the situation? Were, have they made all their stops? Had they made all their uh, patrols, their tours? Had they checked in on him when they were supposed to? He wasn't in the high security uh, sort of situation that we see uh, Ghislaine Maxwell in these days, but uh, certainly, you know, all cellmates, all prisoners uh, are checked on at some point or another. Uh, again, I don't uh, suspect that he had cameras in on his cell, but I mean, cameras down the hallways, you know, uh, there's going to be certain things there to uh, just uh, take a look at and see. A couple things I've been thinking about over the last couple of days too is how he got caught. Um, you know, we talked about this and again, you can get my stance on this. I feel like there's something here, uh, something more than it seems. I'm not entirely sure he did this to himself. Certainly this is like got conspiracy written all over it. Uh, there's that aspect of it, but I was thinking about this too, with all the people that have committed a crime here in the States and who have fled to other countries, France you know, Spain, wherever, Mexico, uh, Caribbean, Dominican, but wherever they're going. Um, the amount of people that are still at large, right? The amount of people that are still, you know, they've never been found. The fact that, or, or, or their whereabouts are kind of known, but there's no extradition treaty there in place or whatever the case may be. The, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of people that are running around and that have committed serious crimes, way more serious than just flat out not paying your taxes. And they've gone on for years, years, without being found or extradited back to the United States. And this guy was found this quickly i mean you know again you know we we were talking about this uh you know on previous episodes how this whole thing is fishy and stinks but you know when you have a couple of days to kind of like let it marinate and like i said i've been reading some of the comments have been awesome keep them coming you think about it how the how did they find this guy so quickly? Now, I know he was on the run for a while, staying on the boat. Uh, they found him in this hotel. We talked about this on the previous episode. 
Uh, they found him in this Russian-owned hotel in Spain that he was mining Bitcoin from. And, you know, when you call, you can't get anybody on the phone, that sort of thing. All right. Uh, you know, supposedly not only the authorities, but fans, I guess you can say, were uh, analyzing his Twitter to see what was like in the background to try and piece together, you know, language on, you know, whatever cups, signs, whatever we, he had going on. So that was happening for a little while. So I'm sure like if his fans were analyzing these photographs, trying to figure out where he was, the authorities were doing the same. But. I don't know. It feels like this is like incredibly fast for somebody, again, who just didn't pay taxes. You know what I mean? I, 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 I never want to leave myself totally open to the criticism of being a conspiracy theory guy, right? But when you look at this, it's like, how is Roman Polanski you know, <laughs> never been taken to task for what he did. And yet John McAfee was nabbed, you know, in a short period of time for not paying his taxes. Like the more that I let that kind of sit and marinate, the more I was like, man, there is something seriously, seriously suspect about this. Like, did they just stumble upon him i have a hard time you know kind of believing that did he tweet something that was so obvious i mean obviously like i said i've seen some of the tweets there would be like a, i think there was like a cup in one picture with some spanish on it so they kind of were able to sort of narrow down a little bit where he was but the fact that the um spanish the barcelona authorities moved in so quickly and we're able to get him and then, you know, agree to extradite him to the United States just for for not paying taxes for a little while. It seems very odd. Now, now people who don't like the conspiracy theories are going to be like, well, they caught him. What were they going to do? Agreed. What, what were they going to do? They, he's got he broke the law here. They got to send him back here. I understandable. But again, it just kind of it just kind of seems you know, and I get France is a different situation, referencing the Roman Polanski thing, but again, it just kind of seems very strange and odd the way it all comes together that this guy would be picked up so quickly and then he would be found in his cell. Um, the three things, again, to wrap this point up, cameras, note additional autopsy when that information comes out we'll have it for you right here on the podcast because i i mean frankly I, i'm i'm as fascinated by this as i am all the dirt that's been uncovered about bill gates and again the epstein maxwell situation as that has just captivated my fancy and uh we've been following that now for uh quite a while and again, uh, you know, just so everybody is well aware, this is not Sean Atwood does a phenomenal job at all this. He's a true crime guy. Uh, I think he's very talented, but uh, this show is a podcast and it, we're not a reporting show. We're not a true crime show. We talk about everyday topics. We try and bring some information out there but also some humor and some fun um and that's what this uh, podcast has always been for as long as i've been doing it when frankie's here and and j subs are here it's a it's a laugh right it's always a good time i always enjoy it even when there are some serious subjects that are talked about up at the front of the show but uh, usually as we go on in the episode we kind of have a lot of fun and that's what we do so uh, you know, if people are looking for straight up information, go to Sean Atwood because he does a phenomenal job. I feel like the guy's got to be depressed as shit talking about all this awful stuff all the time, uh, which is why we don't do what he does. You know, we, we try and have a little bit of fun with it all. So, you know, keep that in mind. As I saw a couple of people who shouldn't be criticizing anybody throwing some uh, criticisms around there. All right, Epstein Maxwell. So this Peacock documentary continues to... Uh, 
you know, dive into some of the things that we know and some new information that has come to light. Um, this we kind of already know that Epstein and Maxwell knew each other a bit longer than what was originally perceived. Um, I think previously we had spoken about on this podcast that they they that uh, Epstein himself did actually know Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine's father. Uh, we don't know what the nature of that was, how they came to know each other, or what the date was exactly that they started to uh, have a, a, a relationship, a friendship, whatever, a professional relationship. I don't know. You know, Epstein trying to pass himself off as the um, financial whiz. Uh, and then, of course, Robert Maxwell was a, a big media baron, so had a lot of money to throw around. You would assume that that was the connection. He had some money to invest, and Epstein was there. Maybe somebody introduced him. I don't know what the case is, uh, but we had kind of seen some of these reports prior that these two uh, did know each other uh, earlier than we had originally assumed. And this documentary, uh, what it's done is it's sort of solidified that, uh, that we now know that probably in the late 80s somewhere, Epstein knew the Maxwells, and that's where that relationship started to forge itself. And again, this is not, uh, you know, terribly breaking news, but it gives you a little bit more, it paints the picture a little bit deeper on how, to, to use the phrase again, how deep that relationship really was. You know, you know somebody for five or 10 years, that's way different than you when you know somebody for 30 years. Um, and this idea of uh, maybe Maxwell will speak up or, you know, give up the information, turn on uh, Epstein, kind of gets a little bit harder when you look at the fact that, that you know, she's known the guy for 30, 40 some odd years, uh, you know, probably closer to 30 than 40. Um, but it is uh, it is super important to acknowledge that this documentary, Ghislaine Maxwell, Epstein's Shadow, um, that they're, uh, they're basically confirming this information, cross-referencing all of these interviews that they're doing along with uh court data uh you know depositions all that kind of stuff and uh they're getting to a point where they can narrow it down and be like yeah you know these two knew each other going way back when that epstein and and robert maxwell most likely knew each other and uh, of course obviously then uh you know galane and uh epstein knew each other earlier than we thought um, I did find this interesting too, again, to, to paint a picture of Maxwell for those that are unfamiliar. Uh, the uh, producers, the directors, the people responsible for the documentary, they were doing an interview and they were basically saying that, you know, of all the people who knew Maxwell, came across Maxwell, knew her relatively well, one of the things that they were able to confirm was that she was always an enigma. You know, that she was always one of these people that even the people who knew her well uh, didn't really know who she really was because she would always put on like a different persona uh, depending on who she would be around. Which, again, is not breaking shocking news, but I think we all kind of have like a friend or know somebody who's kind of like that. And I think people that are, and I'm, I'm not saying all these people are wrong or bad people, but I'm just saying that people that are like this tend to be, I feel, a little bit more available to do bad things and be able to hide them. You know, people who are like, they're this way with, with these people, then they go with these group of friends and they're, then they're that way. And then, you know, they're always kind of acting different, always kind of you know, uh, morphing into somebody else. They're hiding something that they don't want people to see or know. And I feel like that's, a, you know, it, this is, this feels like par for the course of who Maxwell is. You know, you don't, you can't really nail down who she really is. She's always acting, you know, differently depending on the crowd that she's in. People that have known her for a while are saying, yeah, she was always, you know, this is always a weird sort of a thing. You couldn't really peg her down, say this is like the type of personality that she is. That kind of a person could probably hide horrific things like 
you know, what we're basically talking about. Um, uh, they also said that there was this sort of, you know, again, getting into the psyche of it all, um, psychological thing where Maxwell having the kind of relationship that she had with her father him being a really stripped guy, stern guy, she would transfer that over to somebody else quite quickly. And that obviously makes a lot of sense at being Jeffrey Epstein himself. Uh, researchers for the documentary also believe that long before Robert Maxwell's death, Epstein was busily building his high profile contacts and those names in his notorious little black book from Ghislaine's own friends and acquaintances. So again, you know, we talked about uh, Wexner being kind of really the only person that you can't put in the Ghislaine Maxwell camp that Epstein had his uh, had his grips on, and everybody else was sort of being built up from this relationship between uh, Ghislaine Maxwell or the Max uh, the Maxwell family. Uh, so that's the uh, latest on the Ghislaine Maxwell situation. Uh, by the way. As we get into the Mike Lindell situation, don't forget AnthonyOnAir.com has some gear for the podcast here. You buy a shirt, you buy a mug, we've got them all. Uh, the Show Me Potato Salad line, the famous uh, microphone line right there. We've got uh, Janine's classic, That's What She Said. Uh, my favorite shirt right now, I think, is the Legalized Comedy shirt. I've been wearing that around town a whole bunch. Uh, I don't wear the shirts on the show a lot, but I do wear the shirts around town. They're super comfortable, especially the long sleeve shirts. You see our 1994 shirt right here. This is one of my favorites too. It's got that classic 1994 sort of grunge. Uh, what is that? The the uh, the little labels used to put on everything. I uh, got that grunge label uh, look right there. Love that shirt. Uh, very, very comfy. All the gear, super comfortable. Uh, you uh, grab some gear, you're supporting the podcast, we can keep giving you the good stuff here on the show whenever we can. appreciate you guys for doing that. Um, let's talk about Mike Lindell, this crazy son of a bitch. I mean, he is just still rolling. He was on with Alex Jones, and he said, and I'll play you the audio, and I quote, that there's going to be a cyber symposium they didn't have the date nailed down yet, but first or second week in August where he is going to reveal a bunch of information about the election and it is going to make people say, wow. There's a couple of things I take issue and umbrage with here. Um, Mike Lindell continues to be just absolutely batshit crazy. But I'll play the audio for you because I also find Alex Jones's response uh, pretty interesting as well. So here's Mike Lindell on with Alex Jones talking about this cyber symposium. There you go. This place will hold 5,000 people. It's a three-day event. We're going to pass out the packets. Here you go. And every single person, by the time they leave, even within an hour, they're going to go, wow. Do you know we the date yet? Because I'm coming. This is what's the date? No, no. This is what this is what I said. We're going to announce right around the fourth on the dates. It's probably going to be right around the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth of August. I will have that date, and then we'll, and then what we need everybody. So to thanks do. for giving me a general area because I was going to go for a week with my kids to the beach in 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 early August. So I just want to know because I'm going to I'm going to plan my vacation around this. This is important. This place will hold five thousand people. Alex Jones is going to plan his vacation around this groundbreaking massive announcement from Mike Lindell that is going to expose the truth around the uh, 2020 election. Um, I, I, a couple of things I find super interesting here. Uh, I was chatting, I wouldn't say friends, but some people that I touch base with on occasion uh, who believed quite fervently that the election was stolen. Uh, even them have started to sort of come down off of this idea that the election was stolen and their basis is, uh, and I wonder, and I'm always open to your opinions is that here we sit in, in June, it's almost July and still no pertinent evidence has really been put forth. 
And I know people get upset with me when I say this because they're like, well, do your research and look at the thing. But, but come on. I mean, it, look, all the court cases were thrown out. The, the, all, a Congress certified. I mean, we can just go up and down the list. Like, I, I got to stick to reality here. Um, where there's some irregularities, of course, uh, every election has them. You know, dead people vote in every election, have been since Kennedy won the, the presidency, right? Um, it, these things kind of always happen. Uh, ballots are lost, hanging chads. We've always had something, but we have a decentralized, uh, you know, election system, uh, which basically, uh, it, for the purpose of that, means that you can't go in there and, and hack the whole. I mean, it would be very difficult to do it. Is it impossible? I don't think so, but very, very difficult. And, um, you know, the, uh, and, and, I, and look, believe me, uh, I feel like I'm a very open-minded person. I sat through the stupid Newsmax thing that he did. I watched that friggin' thing for 90 minutes. I thought the one guy he had on who uh, he himself lost an election in Boston, or he was running for, I forget what he was running for, assembly or some, it was some minor, it wasn't like state assembly or something like that. It, it wasn't a major, it wasn't a federal thing. Uh, I thought he had some interesting points, that one gentleman. Uh, but everything outside that was complete and utter fluff and horseshit. And, you know, he's showing that the thing came from China and he just animated, like, lines going across a map. I mean, just, uh, you know, utter stupidity. Utter stupidity. I mean, I got friends in marketing that could put that animation together in 15 minutes. And I could stand here and be like, look, you see, here's all the, I mean, it just, it's not real evidence. Oh, it's not real evidence. Uh, but uh, you got to admire the guy. <coughs> Thank you. Live podcast. Uh, you got to admire the guy. He's uh, sticking to his uh, guns. He's lost his, you know, his company's in shambles, right? I mean, uh, uh, nobody wants to touch or go near the guy. I'm surprised even Alex Jones is still sticking around with him. Um, but um, he's sticking to it. Now, here's my thing. What's the new information that you have that you didn't have when you did the Newsmax thing just a few months ago? Like, what is this new information going to be? And are we really going to believe you after that Newsmax thing was such a complete pile of horseshit? And if you really, really, really have this information... Wouldn't you just put it the hell out? Because I know that as we grow the uh, Anthony on Air podcast from what started out as a little local Long Island, New York thing and has budding into a national and international thing, which I'm very proud of to have audience in England and Australia and everybody's been super friendly Canada, even foreign weird places like Oregon. Um. You know, as we grow it, if I stumbled upon some juicy, spicy information like this, you better damn well believe that I would. Now, this is just honest truth. I would put this shit out as fast as possible. And that is the truth. So for anybody thinking that Mike Lindell really has something here, I'm sorry, but I have news for you. The way this works is get it out and get it out as fast fast as you possibly can why because you don't want somebody else coming across this information and getting the scoop on you the only currency here is to get to this first because if you have information somebody else is going to be right behind you with that exact same information so if you really had stuff you would not be like hey come buy a ticket there's side number two of complete and total horseshit and that this is more entertainment than fact or reality. Come buy a ticket. We're having an event. I'm going to sit on this for the better part of a month and a half so that you can come join us in a physical location and then I'll share it with you then. Bullshit. If I had hard, concrete, real breaking news on something as massive as a an entire United States election was compromised. There is no way I would sit on that for a month and be like, 
hey, buy a ticket. The place holds 5,000 people. I mean, come on. It, I mean, it, it, this, none of this even makes any sort of sense. This guy is so delusional and needs so much help. It is not even funny. And the facts that Alex fucking Jones is sitting there going, oh, I was going to take my kids to the beach, but let me know what day it is because I'll plan my vacation around it. Are you fucking kidding me? Now, listen, uh, you know, you know my feelings on Alex Jones. Frank doesn't really love him. I didn't like the the Sandy Hook bit thing. I think he really lost it there. Um but I feel like the guy is an entertainer. He's not to be taken seriously. I mean, he's pushing all vitamin powders and crazy shit. I mean, we sell shirts to kind of keep the lights on here. You know, you're never going to see me hawking like, take this, you know, uh, weed powder and you're going to be a, a patriot powder and all kinds of crazy shit that he puts. To, I mean, it's just insane. Just insane. And there's nothing wrong with endorsing a product but the there's a lot of vitamin shit in that guy's uh, repertoire but anyway you know for him to be like I, I, he doesn't even take it seriously like him to say that he knows this is like just pomp and circumstance and the reason why i bring it up you know this way is it bothers me a little bit because it's like you should have more respect for your audience you know you should have a bit more respect for your audience and to be like, oh, that's interesting, Mike. Let me know. I'm going to plan my fate. Yeah, come on. I mean, look, if Mike Lindell wanted to come on this podcast, you better damn well believe we'd have him on. I mean, I think that would be entertaining as shit. But not for one second would I take my foot off the gas for the guy and sell out my audience, you know, in between. It just never happened. It just never, ever, ever happened. So... Alex, you know, again, I, I don't know what the guy's doing. He's always a little nutty and off the rails a bit, you know. Um, but um, this time around, I don't know. I, I, I didn't love the take. But I honestly, like, I'm not mad at the guy. I just feel like he's not even buying it. Like, he's just kind of passing the time. We all have those shows where we're kind of like, yeah, I got to get through this. Uh, sure, whatever. Like, whatever you're saying, it's fine. You know, whatever the deal is, okay. You know, I'm with you. Whatever, whatever, whatever you're saying here. You know, I, believe me, I, I've had plenty of, you know, artists on this show where I want to talk about their classic album and they just want to mutter on on the new piece of music that they're dishing out. And I, you got to sit there and go, oh, yeah, you know, OK, great. You got a new record. But let's talk about the thing that put you on the map for the last 30 years. You all got to kind of sit through that stuff. And to me, that's what Alex Jones was doing there with uh, with Mike Lindell. Uh, let's talk about this uh, Gwendolyn Berry. By the way, great name. I mean, phenomenal name. Gwendolyn Berry. That's awesome. Kill for a name like that. I got signed up with Anthony. Stinks. Uh, she's a U.S. hammer thrower. She turned away from the American flag as the national anthem played while she and two other athletes stood on the podium at an Olympic trials event this past Saturday, later saying that she was pissed that the Star Spangled Banner played as she received her bronze medal. She qualified for her second U.S. Olympic team during the trials and shifted to face the stands rather than the flag before holding up a black shirt that read activist athlete. We got a shot up here, courtesy of the New York Post on our screen, if you're watching the podcast of Gwendolyn, hand on hip, very upset, very angry. Also not loving her lipstick choice. I don't know if you can see that there, but she's got kind of like a red lipstick with a black line in the middle very there's a uh, as i'm a huge islander fan and there's this islander fan on instagram that they've been making such a big deal about and she paints her lips one side's blue one side's orange i don't know what it is it drives me crazy i can't stand it it's like it's just there's something about my ocd i need one color lipstick i don't like these multiple you split it down the middle it always looks wrong or uneven I just kind of want to go like this to them. Like, you got something just like that. It drives me crazy. So this young lady's doing the same thing. Weirds me out a little bit. Don't love it. Um, anyway. She turns on the thing. Okay, a couple things here. I feel you can differ on your opinion. You could protest the anthem all you want. 
you know, look, we live in a country where freedom is beautiful. We have men and women who fight for our freedom, give up their lives. Uh, you know, I'm eternally grateful to our, our military for what they do. Uh, but we live in a country with the freedom of speech. You could burn that same flag, right? You could sit down during the anthem. Is it disrespectful? I think so. Can you do it? Yep. Yep. You can do both. You know, you can absolutely do both. Um, let me X out this Discover card pop-up ad. No free ads on the show. Um, would I do it? No. Do I love it? No. Do I recognize people's right to do it? Yep. Do I think that uh, it brings awareness to causes they're trying to bring awareness to? Yep. I mean, uh, Colin Kaepernick certainly took a circuitous route to getting to where he needed to be, but he got there. The NFL is making some adjustments. Took a long time, uh, but they got there. And, uh, you know, it's funny with the Kaepernick thing. I always thought the same thing. You had some people in the military that were like, screw that guy, this is disrespectful. You had some people in the military that were like, hey, I don't agree with what he's saying, but that's why I fight. So he can say that shit, you know? So it was always kind of split on the whole Kaepernick thing. Here's what bothers me about this girl, though. She says, and I quote, I feel like I was set up and they did it on purpose, commenting on the fact that the anthem was played during the medal ceremony. I was pissed, to be honest, she said. They had enough opportunities to play the national anthem before we got up there. Uh, I was thinking about what I should do. Eventually, I stayed there and I swayed. I put my shirt over my head which she did eventually do. She had this uh, athlete. At, so there's a lipstick. There's a shot of the lipstick if you're watching the podcast. Boy, that just, I, I just, there's something so uncomfortable about that. It just it looks so uncomfortable to me. Again, I blame the Islanders for making that Islander girl. I know half of you were like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, Aunt. What's an Islander? It's a hockey thing. Big deal around here. But anyway, uh, there she is holding up her activist shirt. Here's what bugs me about this. You're standing on the podium. You're at an Olympic event. They're giving you a medal for finishing. I mean, they kind of always play the anthem. And am I the only one that's like, how are you getting pissed off at this? You know, like, like forget the political nature of this, the freedom of speech, First Amendment rights aspect of it. You know, obviously she's an activist and, you know, she's... Uh, has some issues with uh, how um, how black people are handled in the country. Get all that. Put that aside for a second. You're on the podium getting a medal. What do you think? You know, what, what, what do you think they're playing? What, what do you think they're going to do? They play the anthem. That's what they do. I, I, I don't understand her getting upset, acting like they weren't going to do that. Now, supposedly she said that they played it ahead of time. The, the events, they said they played it every single day. You know, so they happen to be late that day, I guess, whatever it was. But I don't know. I feel like every, like it, since the beginning of time, event, medal ceremony, they turn and look at the anthem. They raise the flags in some in some instances at the Olympics. They always like kind of put the flags up. I always kind of love that, too, by the way. I always love how the winner's flag and on the podium, too. Hey, I stand a little higher than you. Yeah, just a little. I like that. That kind of stuff. I don't know. Uh, this seems, you know, this this girl would be like caught off guard, like they played the anthem, like. But yeah, I, 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 you know, what do you? This is like to me. This is like going to a car wash and being like, I can't believe they put the big brushes on my car after the water hit it. And be like, well, well, yeah, well, that's what that's that's what happens. What'd you expect? What, what did you think they were gonna do? snap their fingers and it'll be magically there. I mean, she was way more upset than I feel like she should have been because they played the national anthem. Also, here's the other thing. And I get there's an argument of she's an athlete. This is what she does. This is the only way she's going to garner attention, you know, because she was a, you know, a lawyer or a receptionist or, you know, you know, you name it. Nobody would care. You're competing for an Olympic spot. You're competing to represent the United States of America. And you're upset over the anthem of the country? Kind of seems a little on the hypocritical side. Now, again, you know, she's going to sit there and go, well, look, I, I don't like how, uh, you know, I don't like these issues and how 
these people are being treated and I'm an athlete and this is my arena to raise awareness. I can't argue with that. You know, I really, really can't argue with that. Um, but I feel like, you know, there's other ways to go about it. That's just me. Again, she gets to handle it the way she is. Cause you know what? She can throw a hammer like nobody's business and your old pal aunt can't. So we don't get to, you know, exactly make those uh, sort of distinctions, but to be like, I can't believe they play the national anthem. You were standing on a podium. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like going to a baseball game on bat day and being offended. They handed you a bat. Like, you know, there's, there's certain things that occur in society that, that just happen. You got to be, you know, ready for it, you know? Um, but I don't, I, I hate criticizing these things because I feel like sometimes, not for nothing, but the, the conservative people love to jump all over these and tell people how they should protest. You don't really get that choice, you know? So again, do I love it? No. Is she a little hypocritical? Yes. Does she have a point? Because like, what else is she going to do to raise her awareness for her thing? Again, it's a point. Yes. But to me, the thing that is undeniable here is the argue is the, is the, the fact that she was upset that they played the anthem. I mean, that I could not get past. I just couldn't get past it. Because let me tell you something. You show up at Anthony's house on Sunday for dinner, you're getting macaroni. Like, I mean, it'll literally be like, I can't believe you served me macaroni, Anthony. I'm going to be like, what? It's Sunday. I'm Italian. It's macaroni and a little bit too much wine that we shouldn't have. A little nap afterwards, get up and complain about the day, some ice cream, and then you go to bed. Like, that's what happens in Ant's place. You know what I'm saying? Now, is there cake involved? Yeah, sometimes. Are there nuts and fruits in the middle there? You better believe it. On a good Sunday, is there rice balls? Yes. But these are all pleasant surprises. At no point should anybody be totally caught off guard by any of this information. At absolutely no point whatsoever. So that's Gwendolyn Berry. I love her name more than I love her uh, bit of surprise uh, as the fact that she was sitting at a athletic competition for the Olympics on a podium and caught off guard by the fact that people decided to play the uh, national anthem. Which, by the way, put your hand up, kneel down, sit down, knock yourself out, knock yourself out to be like, the gall of them to play the anthem. Like, they're going to play the anthem. I got news for you. If you go to the Olympics and you don't finish it first, guess what? You're going to be listening to some other country's anthem. That's kind of just the way it goes. So uh, know what you're signing up for there, Gwendolyn. Um, people were very upset at Toyota over the weekend. This was huge trending that uh, Axio, Axios, that sounds funny to me now that I'm saying that. Axios did this whole uh, investigative reporting. Now, see, this is where the left drives me crazy. Okay. Just complain about the right complaining about how people are protesting. They want to pick and choose. It doesn't work like that. This is where the left drives me crazy. This positioning and this witch hunt of Toyota leads companies in election objector donations. And they put similar to fucking Mike Lindell and his stupid animations. They put this whole thing together showing what companies and how much they've donated to the Republicans who objected to certifying the 2020 election. Now, I just finished saying on the Mike Lindell segment that objecting to this election is utterly ridiculous with the amount of real factual information that was put out there. And please don't type in the comments, do your research. I am not going to read it. I skip right past those fucking comments. I've done the research. Shit ain't there. Rumors and horseshit, there's a plenty. Actual factual information, zero. Zero. Um, so that's that. But getting back to this, there was a couple of Republicans, they didn't do, they didn't, you know, they objected to the election. Now they go back, this Axios, so they're going to investigate, like, who are these companies that are donating to these politicians. And they went and they put this thing and they discovered that Toyota donated 37 times to these 
Republicans. I don't remember how many Republicans it was exactly, but it was only Republicans that objected to um, certifying the election. And they're framing this as like this grand selling out of our country, you know, but you look at this thing, Coke Industries. Okay. We always know that they're on the right. Uh, Reynolds, American, the Reynolds rap people donated three times. Deere and company. That's the John Deere thing. AT&T with one donation, you know, applied uh, research, six donations, Cubic Corp, eight donations, Toyota, 37 donations. Here and then everybody like oh, of course oh this is so wrong oh shame on Toyota give me a fucking break here's the thing with this you know these companies donate to these politicians for a plethora of reasons and to act like you know when you position it like this like I'm sure the Toyota folks were going to donate to these people you know, I'm sure they donated to these same people before this shit happened. I'm sure that bef if it wasn't the same exact Republicans in the same areas, the same seats, I mean, they were probably donating to them. Why? Because they have an agenda. It's their lobbying money. They probably need to get something across that is good for Toyota. And they could probably give a shit what the other things that these people are voting for. And that's kind of essentially the answer that Toyota gave because after there was this huge dust up over the weekend, a Toyota spokesperson told Axios in an email, quote, based on our thorough review, we decided against giving to some members who through their statements and actions undermine the legitimacy of our elections and institutions. The spokesperson did not respond to a follow-up about the specific threshold for statements that crossed the line. So basically what they're saying is, is we didn't give to some, but we gave to others depending on what they said. But read between the lines, they have to get their shit done and they don't give a shit what the other stuff is. And so they did, they made their donations. You know, you can do this for anything. I mean, and the Democrats are doing this for the Republicans right now. Oh, the Republicans are actually the ones voting to defund the police. Well, I mean, I understand what you're saying because Biden put out this bill and it was this whole thing and there was $350 billion for the police and not one Republican voted for it. And it's not a great look for Republicans, but to say that they voted to defund the police is kind of like maneuvering positioning stuff. Now, do I think $350 billion would be good? I'll tell you what, the plan doesn't look all that bad. And I'm sure you ask any police officer out there, they'd like a little extra cash in their departments so that they can do their jobs well and maybe better. Um, but to sit there and like, when you position these statements like this, it's like, you know, these things are complicated and you gotta kind of pull back and look at the whole picture. Now with the, the police thing, the Republicans, it just kind of feels like the Republicans are doing the shitty thing again where they're just, not going to do what the other guy on the other side wants, uh, which is shitty of the Republicans to do. And the Democrats do the same shit. So whatever. Okay. That's what that, that's just shittiness on both sides. But with this, it's like people are like, I'm returning my Toyota. I'm selling my Toyota. Give me a break. I don't own a Toyota. I did at one point. It was a great car. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I'd buy a Toyota tomorrow if it was right for me. What do I give a shit? And here's why. All these companies give to all these people. All these people are all pieces of shit. If you have senator or representative in front of your name, as nice as you could probably be, you're kind of a piece of shit. I mean, that's just kind of the way it goes. So you could put this little thing out for any company, for anything, it's just a huge waste of time. You got these people on Twitter like, not a good look. Not a good look, Toyota. It's not really a good look, Toyota. Give me a, give me a fuck. Give me a break. Go go do something with your time. They, 37. 37 times. Yeah, how about ask them, like, what, what will you really, like, it makes it seem like Toyota goes, yeah, this election was bad. Let's give to all of these people. No, no. Toyota probably wants to take 10% off the emissions thing or 
God knows what little taxes, their $5,000 donation is going to wind up saving them $3 million down the line. And that's exactly what some nerdy pencil pusher in the accounting and donating department, you know, is thinking about when he's like, yeah, these people, we need to get, we need to grease these wheels in order to make a, a smidge more money. Fucking Toyota. If Toyota could make $6,000 off a $5,000 donation, they would do it. It's a company. It is a business. Toyota, I feel like, would, as a company, collectively sell out all their grandmas to make $47 more a year. That is just the way capitalism and business works these days. So give me a break. This whole, oh, so shame on you. Fuck out of here. Shame on you. Shame on you for wasting everybody's friggin' time. Stupid horseshit. Driving me crazy over here. Can't stand it. Um, I'll tell you what, the Russians are coming. Remember a couple episodes when I got all super upset about stupid Ted Cruz and his dumb face talking about that commercial where he made that poor uh, girl feel bad. I forget if she was a lesbian or her parents were a lesbian and he was sitting there acting like, oh, look at Russia's commercial. It's better than the United States' commercial. They're so much tougher. How's your woke army now? Fuck you, Ted Cruz, stupid dick. Can't stand him. Sell out, sells out our own army to make to make a point against woke people, he is such a piece of shit. I can't stand him. But let's take a second and look at this guy's uh, TikTok that he put out. All right, this guy is no joke. It's Serge Morge is his name. First of all, great name, Serge Morge. That's phenomenal. This guy supposedly sitting in minus ten degrees Celsius weather here. If you're watching on uh, Facebook or or Twitter or or YouTube, I should say, he's got a he's got a pair of underwear on. He got no shirt. He got no pants. He's sitting in snow. So I don't know how cold it is, but he's definitely sitting in snow. So that gives you some idea. And he's got a huge, uh, beautiful antique bowl that I can only assume was handed down to him generation by generations. I mean. Did it come from home goods? I guess it's possible. I don't know if they have home goods in Russia. Did it come from Russian home goods? Whatever that version of theirs thing is over there? Maybe. But I like to think that his grandma passed that down from generation to generation. Okay? Um, I like to think that certain family members of his shoved that bowl up their ass to keep the Nazis from getting it, if I could quote Pulp Fiction for a second. Point is this. He's got this beautiful bowl and this huge spoon and it's some sort of rice orzo. I don't know what it is. And he's literally taking a scoop out and feeding his pet bear. For those that are listening, we're looking at a huge, bald, tough, half-naked Russian sitting in snow feeding a fucking bear. And he goes... Welcome to Russia. That was his thing. I got to be honest with you. Smidge more respect for the Russians today. Those sons of bitches can take some cold. Also, they don't seem to have any sort of fear against uh, bears. Now, we don't see the full bear. So is this some sort of super duper Disney Michael Bay animatronic shit? I mean, maybe. But that looks like a real ass fucking bear to me. You know what I'm saying? Can you train a bear? Sure you can. Is this one trained? expertly it seems uh would i do this never in a million years i'm not gonna lie to you if you substituted that bear for my six-year-old son i still wouldn't do this shit i would still be worried he'd flip out and bite me okay that's the worry i have to live with every day when it comes to dinner and also i wouldn't be sitting there feeding him in my underwear in snow okay because that shit is cold that is super cold this is a guy that I would never, ever want to run into in a uh, alley somewhere. He could be the nicest gentleman you've ever met. Guy could be donating money like crazy. He could be making pottery based off his grandmother's 17,000-year-old pot that was handed down generation to generation until it went in his uncle's ass through the war, came out, they saved it. Now he's making it, sending it over to Russian home goods and regular home goods here in the U.S., and donating portions of it to homeless charities. Um, that could be him. And I would still feel uneasy walking down a quiet alley and seeing this guy coming the other way. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. 
this is a level of tough that your old pal aunt can only see on TikTok and never actually fully experience himself. Just know that. Where the hell is Jay Sabs and Frankie C? Well, let's address that right now before we uh, head on out of here and uh, take off. Uh, they were at a, what I can only assume was a lovely event. I haven't gotten a full report. I'm sure we will get a full report from them uh, eventually, but they were at a lovely event today uh, put on by the Star Legacy Foundation called Swing for the Stars. This is a golf outing. Um, and uh, if you've been with us for a long time, some people know this about JSEP, some people don't. Uh, she had a baby, Diana Hope. She lost the baby. Star Legacy Foundation does a lot of work, uh, research, uh, raising awareness uh, for stillborn babies. And uh, they had a, a big event here in New York on the island that Jay Sabs was integral on putting together. Uh, you probably noticed that she hasn't been on a lot of our episodes lately. And she was on top of being a wonderful uh, mother to her two children. Um, and doing this podcast. Actually, let's be honest. Her two children and her husband. So that's three children on top of being a loving mother to three to if we're going to be really honest you could probably throw me and frank into the mix so she's literally raising five people right now and doing this podcast uh and uh organizing this wonderful event uh for, with the star legacy foundation the new york metro chapter uh so that's where frankie c was uh and jay sabs that's why they haven't uh they haven't uh, joined us on this episode uh for today now let's be honest what Jace Apps is doing is incredible. It's for a wonderful cause, Star Legacy. It's obviously near and dear to her heart, uh, near and dear to mine as well. What Frank is doing is literally abandoning all responsibility to play golf. I would love to say that he did this all for Janine and in the memory of Diana, uh, Diana Hope, uh, Janine's baby that's no longer with us. But if I could be totally honest, this selfish bastard really doesn't care and just wants to play golf all the time. Do I wish he was a better person? You better believe I do. Do I wish I was, uh, I had to be the guy to deliver you this awful news about who Frank really is? No, I've known the guy for 30 years. I wish he was better. He's just not. He was like, oh, we're gonna go play golf. And I said to him, oh, are you doing that thing for Diana and Janine? And he goes, I don't give a shit who it's for. I just gotta get out of the house and, and play some golf. I don't care about anything else. They said golf here this day and I'm fucking going. So that's that's Frank. Again, everybody loves him. I get it. I wish he was better. Uh, but I bring it up because um, there's a chance to uh, donate to this wonderful cause. Um, there's a link in the description for this episode. So if you've ever been entertained by anything that we've ever done, especially J-Sabs, and you have an extra 10, 20 bucks in your pocket, it would go to an incredible cause that is, like I said, is obviously near and dear to her heart and mine. Frank's, again, let's not get into it. There's no reason to drag it out. He's a piece of shit. But, you know, uh, again, if you disagree with Frank, maybe you can find 10 more dollars in your pocket uh, to donate to this cause. Um, it's a wonderful event. I don't even know how much they've, they've donated uh, or gotten so far. I know today was a big part of it. Yeah, 39 grand on our way to a $50,000 goal. Uh, so there's obviously some more work to be done there. If you uh, have the means to do so, please donate it. I know that Jay Sams, if I can speak for her, would appreciate it. If I could also speak for her, you know, if she were here right now, I'm sure she'd be saying, is there a fully enclosed glass bathroom that I could pee in so you can all watch me? Um, I'm sure she would say that. And I'm sure she would say this is important to her. And thank you for the donation. So... Um, obviously, uh, big fans of Star Legacy and what they do. I'm a, obviously big fan of Jace Habs. I mean, I wouldn't put up with her bullshit if I wasn't. Same goes for Frank. Obviously, big fan of his as well, despite his uh, attitude on an outlook on life. Um, but again, if you could donate, it would mean the world to me. Uh, I'd be forever grateful. Uh, $5, $10, whatever you could do, it would be very much appreciated. In fact, and I rarely ever do this, because uh, your old pal Lance a bit of a piece of shit himself. I'd rather you buy a t-shirt. Normally, in this particular instance, I'm going to make an exception and say, if you want to support the show, 
and you're about to make a merch perch, uh, put that cart down and go on over here to the link in the description of this episode and uh, donate to the Star Legacy Foundation. Uh, obviously, they are much better than I and could really use it. And uh, I thank you for that. Uh, thank you guys so much for watching and or listening. Uh, I miss Jay Sabs and uh, Frank endlessly, but it was kind of fun to do the one-on-one -on -one with you. I appreciate that so much. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. And again, if you can donate, thank you. I, I really, really, truly do appreciate it.